0: Hey, listeners, Meili and Christine here. Though we are licensed medical professionals, nothing we speak about in the Well Conversation should be taken as health advice. These episodes are based on a review of current research available and well-known frequently applied interventions used by professionals in the field. If you have a pre-existing medical condition, the information shared in this presentation may not be entirely safe or applicable to you. Please consult your healthcare practitioner before applying any changes to your health Especially if you have a pre existing medical condition or are taking prescription medications.
1: Welcome to episode two of The Well Conversation. I'm Christine Chung. And I'm Maile Devlin. So 2020 was pretty difficult. Yeah, (laughs) 2020 was not fun. So on top of like we had a pandemic, there was a never ending election in the states that was, you know, really causing a lot of like civil unrest working from home in small spaces and schools were canceled and like parents were struggling with homeschooling. People were losing their jobs left, right and center. The economic burden of it all and just the mental emotional burden of it all was, was pretty intense and it left us,
0: a lot of us just burnt out and overwhelmed. Yeah, safe to say 2020 was not a great year and we are very excited that it's 2021 now and we are ready to have a much better year, a much more productive year. And I think the reason we wanted to really focus on this episode to start out our podcast is because January is usually a time where we kind of start over and I think 2020 being so horrible for so many people, a lot of us have been waiting for this time. So we've all kind of been holding out for January 2021 where things are going to kind of reset and things are going to go back to normal. But I think now that we're in January, we're coming to the realization that although there's hope, there's a vaccine and things are looking up, things didn't just magically get better. But we want them to. And so today we're talking all about setting ourselves up to make some changes to take control in 2021 and let go of the things we can't control that are coming in from 2020, but then really take charge of the things we can.
1: And really set ourselves up for success to succeed as much as we can in 2021. So also a big part of that as well, I think, is to remove the guilt of whatever
0: we kind of lost out on in 2020. Yeah, there's lots of people who had trips canceled and people who maybe didn't get to see family and really important events. I know people missed out on weddings and the birth of babies, and there's funerals, and there's a lot of sadness. And I think allowing yourself to kind of grieve 2020 and the things that you missed out on is, is really fair to do. And there are people dying from this pandemic, so there's this guilt we also feel for grieving those things. And I think it's really important to address, no matter how small or insignificant you feel the things you missed out on were, that you did still miss out on them. And it's okay to be upset about that. And it's okay to kind of grieve those things. And I think that's important before we move on to 2021. So we kind of get that out and accept that maybe those things didn't happen. And maybe you didn't accomplish the things you wanted to. Maybe you really wanted to move up and work this year. You wanted to get something done. You wanted to run a marathon. I know Christine (laughs) wanted to do this big run, which got canceled. And I think it's important to also look at those things and take away the guilt that we feel for not accomplishing those things. And maybe even things that within the COVID restrictions you could have technically. So maybe- Just the amount of projects you had to do or or things you wanted to set up for yourself and like fitness goals that technically could have been accomplished but weren't because the motivation was lacking. And I think it's fair to just let yourself realize that dealing with all of these external pressures and external stressors do have an effect on you. And so maybe even though you were able to do some things and you didn't, there were other reasons for that. It's not you being lazy. It's a compounding of lots of factors.
1: Yeah, I feel like there was a long period where everyone was sad at the beginning of the pandemic and they were kind of in despair. And then everyone kind of kicked up and started planning these, like doing new hobbies, getting oh, new yeah. crafts, like taking online courses, which is amazing. But for me, I was kind of like still in a state of this is a real pandemic. And for me, it, was, it, was, it took a bit longer for me to kind of accept what was going on. But for me to see on social media, on Instagram, everyone doing these new things, like learning something new, exercising from home, it was almost like hard for me to see and took a lot for me to remove the guilt of not being able to accomplish something extraordinary while under quarantine right. in a pandemic, which the people who did, that's amazing. And like kudos to everyone. But for me, it was kind of difficult to see that happen. So I think is what's important for all of us before moving on to this brand new year is maybe to see if you can find like three to five lessons that you learn from 2020. So they don't have to be accomplishments, but just lessons that you've learned based on maybe some good or bad experiences that might have happened, things that you can bring forward with you to 2021. What would you say, Christine, are yours? Yeah. So, for example, I think for me, I, I definitely learned a lesson in like not getting lost in negativity. So I feel mm. like that happened for me a lot at the beginning, the middle, the end. Even sometimes now I'm, I'm like still <laughs> still mourning the loss of like my my, my 2020 year, <laughs> my trip out west. All these trips are our graduation. So just not getting lost in the negativity. And I feel like I, I learned a lot about how to pull myself up, like get myself back up and going um, despite all these things that were bringing a lot of negativity towards me. Yeah, that's a good one. Also, I think um, self care became a really important thing, mm-hmm. especially at the beginning when we were all like very locked down. I wasn't. I. I don't think I left for like three weeks of my <laughs> in my apartment for <laughs> that long. So, also, self care was like something I learned. So, being able to like go outside and go for a walk or. You know, taking a day for myself, I was still trying to, like, work as much as I could. Mm-hmm. I was so scared of, like, what I would lose out on in the year that I was just, like, pushing myself to the brink of exhaustion, which I, which I do a lot. As you probably <laughs> know, too. Yes, so I think that. I definitely learned to, like, take a step back, take some time for me before I'm forced to do
0: that. What um, about you, Maylee? Hmm. I think patience. Patience has always been a very difficult thing for me. I always want to get things done. I want to check things off my list and just kind of really get things done in a fast manner. And I think exams being pushed and not being able to get things done when I wanted to, when it was out of my control, was, was really difficult. And I think just patients in general waiting for this whole pandemic to be over, I've kind of came to a place of acceptance around that. Which might also be like a good lesson too, like acceptance. Yeah, yeah that's probably <laughs> my number two is acceptance. So I think I also, along with patients, struggle with giving up control. So I think- definitely. <laughs>
1: <laughs> mainlyly <Meili laughs> likes to have control over her to do list, and when things don't get checked
0: off, it's like panic mode,
1: <laughs> <laughs> but not anymore <laughs> but not, not any we're working on it,
0: yeah, I think really just acceptance of there's so many things that we couldn't control in twenty twenty and although it'd be great to be able to i think just. Focusing on things that you can control and so focusing on – so for me it was, okay, I can focus on studying when I can. I can focus on wearing a mask. I can focus on looking after my health and my family's health. And I think focusing in on those things are, yes, helpful, but they're also a distraction for the larger things that are going on in the world. So I would say patience acceptance and then just being flexible. And it kind of goes along with the other two, but adapting to new situations. Um, The one time our exam got canceled within 48 (laughs) hours of going in to do a practical exam, which was not fun. And I think just realizing that that's life. Like You can't plan out everything. You can't put everything on a list and put it into a calendar and then it checks off that day. And I think 2020 made me realize that and that you just kind of have to go with the flow as much as possible and control what you can.
1: Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. Just learning that like not everything is under your control. Um, And like when something tends to go awry, when you think it's under your control, a lot of the things that happened, I just had to continue to remind myself, like, remember, you did not cause COVID. (laughs) You did not cause this pandemic. And that is like you are not the reason why A, B and C are happening right Right, now. Right, right. Yeah, I, I love all that. And also I feel like n- not giving up as well is a yeah. good one for me. So oh, like yeah. getting lost, like even with negativity and then having the self-care and then eventually I get kind of like lost in this phase where I'm like, yeah, you know what? I can take some time off because yeah. because I've been working hard and this is a pandemic and like two months later I'm like, hmm, maybe I should, maybe I should get back to it. Yeah. And then it's like really hard to kind of rev up and get back. Yeah, into motivation the, is hard. Yeah,
0: definitely. Yeah. It's like hard to get motivated to, to the level totally. that I was like a year ago. Yeah. And I think, yeah, that's so important is finding the balance between accepting where you are and accepting that 2020 was super overwhelming, but then also not allowing yourself to kind of call things self-care and call them like, Okay, I'm just relaxing because this has been a hard year. Well, it's still a year and we still need to get things done. So I think finding a balance between those two where you're still getting things done, but it may not be at the pace you wanted and things may change, but we're still kind of have that mindset where we're still trying to move forward, even though it may be more difficult. Yeah. So going
1: back on to starting 2021 anew, so I feel like, you know, a lot of people think it's just like a reset button. Like as soon as you press it, it's like everything was wiped away and then you're just starting this year fresh and like everything will be okay. Which, you know, I think is a great mindset to take into the year. But we also I feel like we also have to understand that although we're expecting it to just kind of turn into a normal year, it's not just going to wipe away everything that happened in 2021. Oh, yeah. Like nice. <laughs> those memories are still going to be there. And um, everything that kind of happened is it still happened. Yeah. So normally we kind of we kind of think of a new year, new me kind of mindset. And so I feel like it's even more amplified this year. Yeah. So I feel like it's it's definitely helpful to have 2021 as a new slate. But I do also think myself, Meili, everyone, I feel like we have to take action Like the calendar change isn't going to be the thing that changes your habits specifically. Yeah.
0: And I think if we kind of go through now some things that we can do. So if we look at 2020, there's a lot of negativity, a lot of stress. So I think the most important thing before we even try to set goals or try to look forward is let's figure out a way to protect our brains from this negativity and this stress. Because as we are seeing, like this isn't stopping in 2021. There's some positive news with vaccine and things like that coming out. But We really need to learn how to control the negativity, both the negativity coming in as well as the negativity that you're creating yourself. There's a great book, Brainwash, that Christine actually lent me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a big fan. (laughs) Yeah um and yeah i would definitely recommend this book in general but i remember reading in it about news and there's this kind of whole section on on news and the negativity with news and it really resonated with me this year because i'm usually not a huge news person but i would say everyone was watching the news very intently throughout 2020 and even in the book they said uh about 95 percent of north americans do follow the news and 85 percent of those people do watch once a day so We know that a lot of people are watching the news. We also, it says in the book that we constantly rely on the source of news, but also 75% of the people think that the information coming in is unreliable. But we continue to watch the news, read about the news. And what happens is if this news is negative for the majority of it, in our brains, there's a center called the amygdala. And our amygdalas in our brains are hyper aware and they get activated with all this negative news. And the amygdalas cause us to be really emotionally reactive. So that's when you read a headline or you see breaking news and you instantly feel this kind of fear. And you may not name it as fear because that would seem kind of ridiculous to name fear when you're looking at headline. But our bodies kind of create this fear. While our prefrontal cortex, which is more of the higher information processing, more rational way of thinking isn't as activated with The negativity that our amygdalas are. So, to sum up, we're just looking at this negative news all the time. Our amygdalas are being overactivated and we're not allowing our brains to process using this higher order thinking that we have. So, I think in the book they used an analogy that I
1: think describes amygdala Mm. and the prefrontal cortex relationship really well. They described the amygdala as like an uncontrollable child, and then the prefrontal cortex is the parent. So, like the parent can try its best to like process and try and contain the amygdala as best they can but you know when a child throws a tantrum sometimes it's yeah. it's out of the parents control. Yeah. <laughs> so that's like a really easy way to kind of think about the relationship between the amygdala and the prefrontal cortex.
0: They were also talking in the book, I think they were saying just 15 minutes of news caused significant increases in anxiety in college students. So Once a day, the college students were exposed to news just for 15 minutes and they had statistically increased anxiety. So I know a lot of people are watching more than 15 minutes of news (laughs) each night. And
1: also if you think about like on my phone, for example, I have like a little side panel that if I just swipe, it shows me like the top headlines of the day. And like while I'm not a huge news person... If I just swipe and I'm like looking at some notifications or something and I see a headline, I'm like, whoa, that catches my eye. Like, for example, prime minister addresses potential for lockdown. And then I'm like, wait, wait a second. And then I click it and then I get into kind of lost in a trap of like very eye-catching headlines. Totally. Um, and I feel like, you know, that can take 15 minutes of my time in the blink of an eye. And that's just something simple as like accidentally looking at something on your phone. <laughs> right.
0: And like that happens all the time, whether it be news, Instagram, Twitter, Any of those social media sites, and that you accidentally, you're not even meaning to go on it. I think a lot of times we click things out of habit or they come at us through a notification or things like that. And then you're not only investing the time that you're on it, you also have to think about after, okay, I've closed this news. Now I'm trying to get back to doing this work, but you're thinking about it. And this amygdala that we talked about is now activated. So for some reason, now you're sitting down to do work and you're kind of in this stressed out state that you weren't before. And then throughout the day, these mini stresses kind of pile on top of each other. And I don't know when the last time is that someone looked at the news and it was something positive because usually it's trying to alert us about things. It's trying to sell headlines. And so although it's good to follow the news and we want to stay informed – I think there's also something to be said for limiting our news and kind of controlling the situation that we're in when we view news,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. I really think like the highlight is controlling the intake mm-hmm. as best as you can. yeah, um, so obviously, you know, you can't control news headlines. You can't control what news is being reported. But what you can control is like the state that you're in, when you take the news in, or the amount of time you spend consuming news,
0: yeah. And so I think, to help yourself with that maybe I know there's people who need to check the news every day and maybe a few times a day and that's okay I'm not saying get rid of the news but maybe allow yourself maybe set a news timer and so you can check the news I would definitely not suggest first thing in the morning so maybe after you've had your breakfast you can do that and then maybe after lunch or maybe like once in the afternoon and then once in the evening and then you can kind of cut that down if you need to but when you allow yourself to properly protect your brain from negativity and, and be in a good situation where you're reading the news, I think it can make a major change rather than you're already stressed with something at work and then you see a headline pop up and it just you can't even process it. All your body is sensing is this negativity and this stress. And also it's
1: important to know that our brains are actually wired to focus on the negative news. So your brain will see a negative headline and whether or not you're like, oh, I've heard about that before, your brain will hone in on it as basically as like a survival instinct. So your brain will see negative news and will be like, oh, I have to remember this because this could potentially affect my survival. Although it might not actually be a life or death situation, your brain is going to process it as such. And that's like a very expensive and like stressful state for your brain to be in and continuously marinate over the thought. Even though you're not actively thinking about it, there's a lot that your brain is thinking about. Even if you're just like typing something or you're doing a report for work, there's a lot that is going on in the background of your brain.
0: Yeah, exactly. And then we have that whole physiological response to that which is your heart's beating. You, you kind of feel this nervousness. And so your body, like Christine said, it's expensive. It's expensive for the resources in your body. And it's taxing on your body to be in the state. Mm-hmm. And, and then all of a
1: sudden, you, you're you like halfway through your workday and you're exhausted. And you yeah. just like don't know why you're so tired. And like, let's just drink some more coffee. And like that'll put your body into like a more hyped up state, just like hyper anxious. Um, Christine but, you knows know, nothing about that. <laughs> That's for another episode. <laughs> So on that note, I think um, something that's like a nice actionable item, so controlling the environment that you're consuming, Mm -hmm. potential negativity is really important. So for me, something I've recently implemented is, you know, I wake up, the first thing I do, I roll over and I check my phone. So, you know, I'm either like checking emails, I'm accidentally looking at the news headlines or I'm like on Instagram and also now that Instagram is so popular, I feel like people are posting snippets of news segments on their stories. And like if you just like scroll through the stories, I can probably tell you that like 50 percent of the stories I look at are related to or are directly news headlines. So one thing I've tried to do is make sure my phone isn't the first thing I look at in the morning. For example, like even if my phone is the first thing I look at, I have like a little note of motivational quotes. So like I'll make sure oh, immediately <laughs> I'll be half asleep, but I'll know that the notes, it's on my home. Homepage. So I'll like click it and I'll like go through and be like, oh, that's a really good quote. (laughs) Or I mean, I know a lot of people, they'll have like motivational quote calendars or like a website that they really like quotes from. Just like making sure that what you read and consume is something that you've controlled. So like you've set up a note of all these motivational quotes or like sentences that you like. Or maybe it's a book that you read. So, like, right now I'm reading this book called uh, Think Like a Monk by Jay Shetty. I absolutely love it. And, like, he has nothing but, like, lovely things to say about making yourself better in that book. So maybe I'll just, like, read maybe, like, five to ten pages of the book before I start my day. And that's a way where I can be like, oh, I really like the advice he gave me about, like, negativity or like how to rewire my brain to think positively and like i'm gonna try and do that throughout the day rather than putting myself in like this hyper anxious state being like oh my god there's this news or like even if i see someone else i'm like a very competitive person too so (laughs) if i see someone else like oh they got up at 6 a.m and they did a workout and like now they're doing work and i'm like ah it's uh, it's 8am. And I'm like, just scrolling through Instagram right now. Right. <laughs> so like, then- even those like little things I feel like can like spark negativity. So just being able to control like I know Maylee loves control. So <laughs> just being able to control exactly the first thing that you
0: consume with your eyes and your brain in the morning. Yeah, I love that. And I think that's that's so important because it is something we can control. And especially when we feel like we can't control anything, like being able to control your morning routine can make a huge, huge difference in your day. And I know not everyone has time to maybe read 10 pages of a book in the morning, but I think I love the quote thing. Even like your alarm, you could make your alarm name something positive, a few words. You don't even have to take the time to read anything, go through anything Just the first thing that you're looking at and just take two minutes. I know a lot of people do gratitude journals and kind of thinking positive thoughts, things like that in the morning. Whatever it is, it could even be one of those word of the day emails. It doesn't even necessarily have to be really positive. It doesn't have to be, an affirmation it doesn't have to be anything like that it can just be something that you learn or something that's neutral just not something really negative
1: yeah I do really love those word of the days I like look at one I'm like I'm gonna try to use this word seven times in my day (laughs) and it never goes naturally I end up just like dropping it like meticulous (laughs) (laughs) they are
0: like what I'm just like it's just my word of the day (laughs) yeah then you feel productive already exactly Yeah. And I think another thing that gets brought up a lot is meditation. And I think it's brought up to a point where it's almost annoying to talk about it now. But meditation and mindfulness are just so huge. And looking at them and looking at different types of meditation and mindfulness has been helpful for me because I am not a sit still and meditate for 20 minutes (laughs) type of person. It makes me very anxious to do that. And so I'm horrible at meditating. I have started it so many times and stopped. I used to be really good at meditating in the sauna. That was when I felt most relaxed. But obviously, we have no saunas now. (laughs) So um, that was a big struggle for me because I felt that that was kind of my time to be in the right space and, and really take some time to meditate. So I've started back up again. I'm using balance balances this app. Well, I don't know if it's new, but it's new to me. And <laughs> it's usually because it's usually $90 and they made it free throughout COVID.
1: Oh, I
0: didn't yeah. know that. So and the great thing about it is they track the time you've spent on it. So it's kind of works that competitive, competitive aspect. And so you can kind of see like, okay, I've spent this long on it, this person spent this long, and you can kind of you really want to reach your goal. And so it's good. They have lots of different ones on there. There's calm, there's headspace, and so I think listening to an app has been really helpful having a person kind of guide you through. I also really like counting meditations because you have something to do. I think just <laughs> sitting there and breathing is too advanced for me right now. Like I just can't sit there and think of nothing. I just think of things to do and then I just get anxious and I'm like I should but go she do just those makes things. to-do lists. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I totally agree. At the beginning when I tried to, I was like, oh, yeah, there's so many good studies on meditation. I should start doing it. And like, you know, when we were also clinical interns, it would be like a recommendation we'd make almost all the time to anxious patients. So yeah, like starting with an app definitely helped me. I recently bought Calm Premium because it was half price on um for, for... We really like deals. <laughs> yeah. I was like half price. Yeah, I'll buy it. But there's also a lot of like free options on Common Headspace. If you just look up on YouTube, like oh, yeah. free meditation, you can even pick like 10 minute meditation or like I started with three minute meditations and like those were excruciatingly long for me at the beginning. But now I can like, you know, in the right mindset, I feel like I could sit and do
0: like a 10 minute one. But it's it's still something I'm working on. I think walking meditations used to help me a lot in the beginning, too. I haven't done them in a little while, but walking is itself is meditative. So I think just going on a walk can be helpful to clear your mind. But also when you walk and you like count your steps or something like that, where you can kind of do a sequence, that can be really helpful.
1: I think the main idea is to shut down your brain into avoiding the thought of things that will make you, put you in an anxious state. So like... For example, like when I'm walking for exercise or like running or doing something like for a purpose, I'm always like listening to music, listening to a podcast. And like my brain is always like mm-hmm. running and I'm like a huge multitasker. So like I have to think about 10 things at once or else like my brain just doesn't know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> so I find that like when I started meditating, too, I I, I used nature walks,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: I would either leave my phone or I would just not bring my earphone. So I didn't have yeah. an option to like plug something in and listen. And all I had to do was like look at things in the nature and, like, when you look around you, it's it's beautiful. There's, like, so, so many things you can focus yeah. on and, like, it's just, like, endless... If you just I'm like, oh, look at that tree. And I'm like, look, there's like a tiny little leaf that survived on that tree. How cute. Like that little leaf is just so resilient. (laughs) Or I'll think of I'll see a patch of snow and I'm like, that's like a manageable level of snow right
0: there. (laughs) And that itself is mindfulness. That's exactly what it means is to just be mindful, just be in the moment. And I think that's what meditation and mindfulness is really helping us do is. Not get so lost in our brains of what's going on and just being present. And I think that's so difficult for us, especially when the present situation may not be the best. It may not be a beautiful walk. And I think that's where meditation training over a long period of time can be really helpful for those times when maybe you're studying or you're at work and it's not really enjoyable to focus on the task. It just helps your brain get wired in a way where it makes that process a little bit easier.
1: Yeah. And and on that note as well, I think our our next point was about gratitude. So that's also something you can really apply to meditating. So like, for example, I'm on a nature walk. And like Meili said, like, not all walks are beautiful. Like the other day, I decided to go for a walk. It started off beautifully. And then it started hailing and thank God I was like properly dressed for the weather. But I was thinking like, man, this this hail really sucks. And then it turned into rain. And by the time I got home, I was like wet head to toe. Um, But I honestly like I enjoyed it because I was really grateful for the fact that I was properly dressed for the walk. Like I was wearing like a heavy winter coat and it had a hood. My my hair got a little wet, but it was like, you know, looking nice and curly. I was <laughs> like, wow. And I felt really good from the walk. So I feel like even in the meditation or the mindfulness space, keeping in mind gratitude is a really mm-hmm. important part of mindfulness as well. So gratitude is also it's it's quite easy to start up in a very simple way. So when I was trying to intentionally incorporate gratitude into my life, like also Maley and I are research junkies. So like I was reading this paper and I was like, whoa, this is like an immense response to to gratitude for people's mental health. And like while we're in school and we're so anxious and like depression and anxiety is so common in students and overworked students and when we're all burnt out and tired. So the first thing I did was I just like bought a cheap little notebook from Dollarama. It had a flamingo on it. I liked it. (laughs) And I would keep a pen with this notebook on my nightstand. And I would just for each paper, they were pretty small. So I'd put a line in the middle. And when I woke up, I'd write down three things that I was grateful for as soon as I woke up. So Mm -hmm like I'd be like, oh, the sun is shining today. That's pretty cool. Or like, you know what? I had a really good sleep last night. I'm really happy about that. Or like very simple things like, oh, you know what? I'm so grateful for this super cozy blanket because I woke up and I'm feeling very cozy. (laughs) It's (laughs) like simple things like that. And then I also do that in the evening. So like when I get into bed, this mm-hmm. thing, this notebook and pen are still on my nightstand. So I write down, I'll do like five things for the evening, mostly because obviously you go through your day and there's like so many things that happen. Right. So I try to write down like five positive things that happen in my day and like just continue to drill through my brain like, oh, I'm so grateful that those happen. Like, oh, I got to see Melee today and like we uh. had a coffee. <laughs> like, oh, it was so fun <laughs> or things like that, that. I find just like really makes a difference starting and ending off your day yeah. with just a little piece of
0: gratitude. I tried the gratitude journal and I never did it in the mornings <laughs> <laughs> because I would just get out of bed and I think I would just forget. I, I was mm-hmm. better at it at night, mm-hmm. but I would just get out of bed in the morning. So what I started to do back when I would take TTC to go places. But in the morning, I would get up, get all ready. And then once I was on TTC, I would, in my notepad, just write down, I didn't have a set number, just kind of start typing out things that I was grateful for. And now I have this giant note of all these amazing things that happened over the year. Oh, and that's I think, so cute. <laughs> yeah, it was so great. And so I did it all of 2019. And then mm, so I have wow. this really long note. And then at the end of the year, you can go back and you can look. And I definitely repeated myself a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and so coffee was on there a she, lot. She's
1: really grateful for coffee. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I think it was just it was a great way to kind of distract myself from maybe if I had something I was anxious about or doing something like that. But then. It also really just built up this huge library of great things going on in my life. And so something I could reflect on when I was feeling super negative and kind of down, you can kind of go to those things and it helps stimulate more thoughts.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. I love that. I feel like I'm going to try and start that today because also like if you think about it and you're you're like having a bad day and like, you know, those happen. And but then you know you have this like entire note of things that happen positive. Yeah, it's like (laughs) things that happened to you in your life that were amazing and like brightened up your day. And like I feel like just reading through those and like giggling over like, oh, you know, that one time we did this, and like it was just so hilarious. And like I loved having that in my day, I think
0: would would really, you know, spark joy. (laughs) And then it just makes you it kind of changes your mindset. So then you look for more like gratitude mm-hmm. brings more gratitude and I yeah. I definitely Positive have like feedback. read that but it's, it's so true once you change your mindset to this mindset of gratitude it's really hard to ignore how many amazing things you have the attitude of gratitude <laughs> yeah so I actually I read this study
1: and it was talking about how gratitude changes you and your brain so is this I think it was out of Berkeley. I'll have to fact check that. But they essentially the subjects were college students who were seeking mental health counseling. So they would go and like submit um, like a query to the school's mental health counseling Mm -hmm. services. So most of them on average, I think the most common mental health concerns were depression and or anxiety. So then they split these college students, they collect them, and they put them into three groups. So one of the groups, they just allocated psychotherapy, which is what they were looking for. Right. And then the second group, they had psychotherapy, and then they would ask them to do expressive writing. So this expressive writing was, they were just to, like, write about their emotions, so... It, whether it was about like a negative experience of their day or just like anything, they just wanted to write out. It was just they really wanted to get like deep, journaling. Yeah, deep and emotional journaling. Mm-hmm. And then the third group was psychotherapy plus gratitude. So the gratitude was actually it was just once a week that they would ask them to write a letter of gratitude to someone else.
0: Oh, that's nice. Yeah.
1: So it's just like that one is like expressive writing, but for someone else about something that you are grateful for. So then after the therapy, so they did the therapy for a while, and then post-therapy, at four weeks, they found that the gratitude group, so that was the third group writing the letter, they benefited from the treatment significantly more. So they were on average just like they had better results than the other two groups. Um, And that was even at 12 weeks too. So we're talking about like three months after finishing therapy, they were doing better, significantly better than the other two groups. So on top of being more positive and Like in the letter, they realized that they used more of the word we. And obviously, if you're writing a letter, you know, of course, you're writing a letter to someone else. You're going to put a lot of we's in there. But they also noticed a lot less words of negative emotion. Mm. So they also didn't have to share the letter. So this was like a letter they would write to someone. But it wouldn't have to be something that you'd be like, oh, here, Meili, I wrote you a letter
0: because I'm so grateful that... So you're not trying to get anything out of it. It's all for you. Yeah, right?
1: exactly. And it's also some people like they write this letter and they're like slightly embarrassed about yeah. it um, or they just don't want to share it. So this was something that they could keep to themselves and they still had positive
0: benefits. Wow. I want to try that. Yeah. And I think it would just help you think about that person in a more positive way as well. Mm-hmm. So I think that'd be helpful for like to your parents or to partners mm-hmm. or to things like, I yeah. think that could it's be like helpful a from a relationship exercise. perspective as well. Mm-hmm. I think the thing that they noticed the
1: most was the decrease of negative emotion words. Mm-hmm. So like you can have more positive words, you can use the word we more often, but it was actually when they had less negative emotion words, that's when they saw the biggest changes. And they actually ended up doing like a functional MRI, which is like they just take a picture of your brain. And the gratitude letter writers actually showed greater activation in the prefrontal cortex. Remember oh, when we said that's like the, the adults, yeah, that's the parent that's the controlling their child. So the area of their brain that is of higher order and processing had greater activation when they were experiencing gratitude. Wow. So that's like something that was actually like shown in a picture of their brain, mm-hmm. like a, a, li- a little like yeah. snippet of their brain. So like that's pretty wow, immense, that's awesome. and that's. Just writing a letter to
0: someone. All right, I'm going to try it. Could that. be anyone. <laughs> OK, let's move on to, we've talked about meditation, gratitude. I think it's super important to mention exercise. We talked about walking, but exercise is probably one of my, probably my favorite outlet for mm-hmm. negativity and stress and anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what made 2020 really difficult is not having the gym. Yeah, when gyms closed, that was yeah. And pretty, so pretty I think dark. <laughs> yeah. And so I think finding ways to exercise and to be active throughout the day is already difficult and then with gyms closed it made it even more difficult. But if finding ways to stay active even without the gym is just so important and anyone knows who has ever exercised before in their life it may not be fun when you're doing it. You may not want to start exercising, but after you're done exercising, there's few things that feel so good and so accomplishing. <laughs> and so you just you can really bring yourself out of this really negative thought process and this kind of feeling of overwhelm. And so I think exercise is huge. And so I think it depends on where you are and your exercise journey. So if you don't exercise at all right now and you hate exercise, you think it's, you know it's good for you. Everyone knows exercise is good for you. So we don't even need to talk about that. I think we need to talk about ways that we can do it because it's hard and it's hard to begin with. And in a pandemic, it makes it harder. And so if you're not exercising at all right now, going for a walk once a day is probably the best thing you can do. To just get moving, number one, if you can walk outside, if you can be in nature, that's going to be even better. We, we talked about the meditation as well. And just moving. So I think walking is huge. Try to do like 30 minutes a day. And if you say you don't have 30 minutes, maybe 20 minutes. If you have kids, bring your kids with you. Or maybe use it as an excuse to get some time alone, <laughs> which is really needed if you're still with your family. And so I think there's kind of that low end. And then high end is, is just – finding those people who really were using the gym and who did use exercise as a tool that's been taken away is, again, that adaptability that I was talking about. And (laughs) this is one of the ways I've had to adapt. And so I think finding ways, especially in the winter, is difficult. Bundling up, going for long walks works. But trying to, I mean, going on YouTube, we can all go on YouTube, and just find some workouts that work for you find what you can around your house. And even if it's not optimal, just do something to exercise. And I think the people who are kind of upset about not having the weight that they need or not having the equipment and not having the space, I totally understand. But that's not one thing we can control. And I think allowing yourself to grieve over that is fine Mm -hmm. and and be upset about it. But then thinking, okay, what am I going to do about it? Mm -hmm. And so Then you may do exercises you don't really like, and you may kind of feel like you're not targeting the exercise you wanted to. But I think we can look at this as an opportunity to work on other things that can help you when gyms open. So, working on your flexibility and stretching and things like that, as well as conditioning. Yeah, for sure. I'm, or at least used
1: to be, (laughs) it's a little cold (laughs) now for the outdoor running, but I used to do a lot of running. So, I found at the beginning of the pandemic, I would do a lot of like, conditioning Mm. which i found i think i was really missing because once i did the conditioning and on nice days i would run like my run times were getting so much better and like my pace was getting (laughs) so much better and it was it was mind-blowing to see and i was like oh like i did like a simple 20 minute like a run con workout um like maybe once or twice a week and like it was bringing immense results so like even something simple like that but also if you're new and starting out i think there are such simple workouts and i just think like If you wake up, you can even do this in your pajamas. Just do five minutes of activity. Like just Just moving. So even if you're like stretching, if you're taking yourself through like a short little yoga um, exercise, like a downward dog to Mm -hmm. like the plank, the half plank, upper dog, something like that. Or even for five minutes, set a timer, do 10 squats, do 10 push-ups on your kitchen counter. Even like while you're waiting for your coffee to brew, this is like something quick you can do. So like 10 squats, do 10 push-ups on your kitchen counter. You can do, like, 10 lunges on each leg if you can. And then maybe, like, jacks, you can like, do jumping
0: jacks. Um, just move. And, and you can yeah. dance. You can do whatever. Just We just don't move enough. And mm-hmm. I think I think just finding ways to move, it doesn't matter how you do it, especially mm-hmm. if it's movement or nothing. Mm-hmm. Movement. Always choose the movement. movement. And so – I think for kind of the higher level athletes and people like that, it's really frustrating. But I think this is a great opportunity for people who maybe were intimidated to go to the gym or who kind of didn't have the time and were always running around before and busy with work, busy with kids. I think... This is maybe something, a time that you can add in that physical activity, and it's going to help you with all those symptoms of kind of the negativity, stress, things like that. Exactly. So I think think as an action
1: item, just focusing on literally five minutes twice a day. So like five minutes in the morning while your water is boiling or while your coffee is brewing, just like think of five exercises to do and just continuously go Mm -hmm. through them until the timer goes off. And then do it in the evening as well. Like even while you're brushing your teeth, I used to do at the beginning when I like really wasn't into working out, I like saw something on Instagram and it was like, just do squats while you're brushing your teeth or while you're waiting for your water to boil. And I was I was doing a lot of squats. I, you drink like, a lot of tea. I <laughs> drink a lot of tea. I was boiling a lot of water. And then like, if you think about brushing your teeth, like two minutes in the morning, two minutes in the evening, like oh. that's four minutes. That's just like small amounts of activity. Yeah. And then you'll realize that you're like, oh, she only wants me to do this for five minutes. Like I can do that. And then it's like, well, I may as well do it, like, another time. Yeah. I was like, you know what? This is so easy. Like, I can do this, like, five times a day. And then people start to get more and more motivated. Yeah. The key is to do an amount of exercise that you know that is doable for you and it's easy to incorporate throughout your day. And then the more you do, it's
0: positive feedback, you'll you'll just continue exactly. to You're want gonna to feel do feel good and more. Because it feels great after you have done exercising. Exactly. Anyways, we could talk about exercising forever. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll do another podcast yeah. on that. Don't worry. <laughs>
0: um, but I think, okay, so I think we've talked a lot about protecting our minds from negativity and trying to take all this guilt and all this stuff from 2020. And now we've protected our minds. We know we want to activate our prefrontal cortex. We want to quiet down our amygdalas. So now that if we get to this kind of neutral space, now the next thing we can do is we can stack some goals on there. And so we want to do all of that work we just talked about before. And maybe those are part of your goals, but that's really important to get to this space of neutrality in your brain. And now we can say, okay, now I want to do my goals. And now I want to set up these like these New Year's resolutions that we always call them. And I think that's really important. So now when we get into goal setting, this is another area where it can be really easy to write a bunch of things down in January. We're all guilty of this. We write down all of our goals and then maybe you go back to it for a little while at the beginning. And then maybe the next time you open that notebook or that document is the next January. And you kind of look back and you think, oh, that's funny. I didn't, I remember I was going to do that. Like that never happened. And you just, you even forget about your goals. You don't even remember what they were. And so I think setting really good goals can change your entire year. And so there's this acronym called SMART. You may have heard of it, SMART goals. So go through. The first one is specific. Second is measurable. Third is achievable. R for realistic and T for time-based. So specific, obviously we want a goal that's specific enough. We're not going to say exercise more because first of all, that's not specific enough. We don't know what type of exercise we're doing. Second of all, measurable. How are we going to measure, do more exercise? Achievable. So if you don't exercise at all now and your idea is to do 100 push-ups by the end of January, that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And so, well, maybe it will. But <laughs> you really <laughs> worked hard. Yourself. But the next one is realistic. So it's kind of like achievable. Achievable means, yes, we can do it. But realistic is, are we going to? And so maybe you're someone who every year puts down the same goal. And we have definitely done that before. <laughs> and so we need to be realistic. Like, are we going to do that? And then last one is time-based. So we need a way to measure it. And so that can really help with the completion of the goal. Is this a goal that needs the entire year? Maybe not. Maybe this goal can happen by the end of February. I think we always make kind of year-long goals, but I don't think it necessarily has to be like that. And I think we can make goals at any time of the year, obviously. So maybe you stack your goals to some of them don't even start until June. They don't have to start in January. They don't have to end in December. mm mm-hmm. So someone can say, you know what, in 2021,
1: I want to run a marathon. It's like, do you think you can run it? Also, you have to consider like we live in Canada. So if you don't have a treadmill or access to a gym, running can be very difficult from the months of like November to March. (laughs) So do you think you'll be able to condition yourself enough to run a marathon safely by a certain amount of time? So like an example of like a non-smart goal would be just run a marathon. Like you don't know when, you don't know how, you don't know if you can do it. That's just like not a very smart goal. So more of a smart goal would be like, for example, run the Scotiabank half marathon in July 2021. And I would like to do that by increasing my long run by a kilometer and a half every week. So, yeah, that's like a very planned out. It's very specific. You got your little plan in there. I was like, you know, maybe this will be a plan of mine. <laughs> so like that's very specific. I named a specific race I wanted to do. It's very measurable. So like you know exactly the half marathon is 21.1 kilometers. So you need to reach that at a certain time, maybe like a couple weeks before your run. It's achievable and realistic, mostly because like, I started Not running. For me. <laughs> <laughs> I started running last year. With the intent to do this half marathon, I got super excited about it and it got canceled. So maybe this year is my year. Um, so for me, I feel like it would be achievable and realistic for me to be able to train that amount for seven months and also time-based. So I said specifically this race is in July 2021 and I want to do that and it's going to be like I'm going to be increasing my long run by this amount of kilometers every week in order to accomplish the full race kind of thing. So that's like just an example of like how just to make a smarter acronym and (laughs) literal sense a smarter goal. And this will also like setting goals will help just introduce more positive growth as well if you yeah, just go totally. through the year and be like you know what I'm just gonna like accomplish whatever comes my way I'll just oh, like, I've get always it always got like when you I
0: used <laughs> to do that when I would set goals and then I was like oh you know what I'm just gonna as things come up kind of do it and I, yeah. I just I found I think I've only been setting really good goals the last two or three years and I do it because I have a process now and what I do is I categorize all my goals I find that's really helped me so I have a word document in my computer, and I make a new one each year. <laughs> I now belong in her <laughs> word document, so I feel I feel pretty excited. It's an honor. <laughs> and so what I do is like categorize them into personal relationships, career, financial, health, and so what I do is I have these different categories, and then I put them all into their categories. And then I go through, I have the SMART acronym in front of me because I always forget it. (laughs) And so I write down my goals just kind of in general and then I apply the acronym to each one and I make sure that all of those things work. And then I make sure I'm not taking on too many goals at once. So you also have to look at your goals in general, kind of from a bird's eye view of, okay, this goal works and this goal works, but can I do them at the same time? And so then I space them out throughout the year and I kind of categorize so I say, okay, I'm going to do this personal goal with this career goal and this health goal. Those all go together, but I can't do three personal goals at once. And I do have year-long goals as well. So I think using a method that would work for you as well. I know lots of people have like charts and planners that they use. I don't use that, but I know lots of people, if you have, let's say you're exercising, you're not used to exercising and you're trying to exercise three times a week, there's lots of tools out there that you can use To mark down your three exercises per week and then kind of all your goals you can put in one chart.
1: Yeah. I also feel like, for example, like I'm a pretty visual learner. So for me, seeing your progress Mm. is also a huge Mm -hmm. thing. So, for example, if you're like grinding at the gym three times a week. If you write down like, oh, you know what, this time I did like five sets of 10 of this weight. And then later you can flip back and be like, oh, my God, I used to do like half of the weight, but now I can do double. And like, that's pretty amazing that I can do double. And what can I do? now? Yeah. It's like this feels comfortable. So maybe I'll move up. So like having a weekly chart or just planning out a strategy of like how to record your progress, I think Mm -hmm. is great, too, just so you can see how you're growing yeah and you can always like reflect on that being like you know what at the beginning this was really hard for me but now I'm feeling like I'm feeling really good about it and I'm so happy that I've come this far yeah in my goal and like now my goal it's attainable like at the beginning when you're trying for something you're like I'll never get there but then when you reach the halfway mark you're like oh my god I'm halfway there look how much I
0: did and like I'm so close to reaching my goal I think reflecting on goals, like you said, is super important as well. That's also part of my process as I do that in December. I'll reflect on all of my goals in summary, but I try and do it quarterly as well. So. You can do it however often you want and kind of set that time aside. But what I do is I literally put calendar reminders in my calendar on my computer. So because I'm not always just thinking of my goals, right? You're living your life. So then you have a random calendar alert. It's like, oh, check your goals. So then, okay, this weekend, I'm going to look through my goals and see where I'm at. And so you can kind of see, am I on track? Am I not? And you can adjust as the year goes on. You don't have to write it in January. And stick to that the whole time. <laughs> like life happens. My 2020 goals, mm-hmm. half of them did not happen. <laughs>
1: yeah. okay. Like even like reflecting on those 2020 goals is great too. Like you look at your goals list and you're like, oh, I didn't even remember that one. Like maybe I should set myself an alert. Like maybe. Exactly. So I'll continue <laughs> to remember to look at my list. Or just like even looking at them and be like, hmm, why didn't this one work? And yeah. be like, you know what? I didn't get to run that half marathon because it got canceled and like I could have done it myself, but it's it's much harder to accomplish that versus like running in a big group of people. So like that's the reason why this goal didn't work for me this year. Like maybe next year I can train myself to be able to run on my own. And even if a race gets canceled, I can still run it because I've done this before. I've had races canceled before. And like now I feel like I'm in the right mindset to be able to run this race alone. So like even reflecting on past goals, maybe something was still in your control, but you didn't get it done. And maybe it was just a hard time for you in the year. So just knowing that's also a point on adaptability as well, being able to adapt to why the goal didn't end up panning out. Yeah, and just applying that to your current year goals, I think mm-hmm. is really good. Okay, so what are what are two of your goals? Yeah, I haven't so, done I, mean, mine yet, but. <laughs> I I still want to run this race that I was talking about last year. Hopefully, it, it's still planned. Who knows what will happen with COVID and everything? So I would still like to run this. That's kind of like an old goal, though. I do feel like now that I have something to count my step, I used to not have like activity tracker. But now that I do, I feel like I'm much more aware of my steps. So a goal of mine this year, I think, is to walk 70,000 steps a week. So like originally when I was thinking about goals, I was like, oh, yeah, I want to walk 10,000 steps a day. But, like, if you think about that, things always come up. Like, for example, I'm having a filming day with Meili. So, like, we're going to be sitting all day doing podcast recordings. And, like, that takes up so much of your day. Can I just, like, go out at night and just walk until I reach 10,000 steps? So I think, like, making the goal smart was to average out per week. Oh, like that, yeah. So I used to play volleyball on Saturdays and I'd have my Fitbit on me. And I'd always clock in, like, 19,000 steps by the end of it because I was running around so much. So that would average out for like a day that I wasn't right. able to walk so much. So that just helps me account for things I that like are out that. of my control, for example.
0: I'm going to have to make that mine too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I well, can on we can compete. It can compete.
1: Also another goal for me, like I said, I'm reading this book by Jay Shetty and one of the things he said about negativity was that you should record all the negative thoughts you're having and then like keep a tally. So then one time I did that, it was not pretty. (laughs) I had so many negative thoughts and like I think of myself as a pretty positive person. But when I finished that day, I was like, I was shocked. So I think a goal for me, <laughs> this might sound like it's a lot, but I think per day, I want to try and have like less than 20 negative thoughts. And you might be thinking like 20, that's a lot. But honestly, if you start recording every little negative thought you have, it's immense. So like for me, I think a realistic goal is to have less than 20. I like that. You and... have to
0: balance that negativity out with some gratitude, right? <laughs> <Kind>
1: <laughs> yeah. <of> refresh. <laughs> I'll be writing you a lot of letters this year, oh, maybe
0: <laughs> How about you? Do you have any goals for 2021? Um... Well, I haven't done my whole spreadsheet document <laughs> thing yet, but I definitely want to read more. I started getting back after finishing our exam. I got back into reading novels. And so I really want to get back into pleasure reading. So right now I'm doing one fiction book, then one nonfiction book and kind of going back and forth. So I would say 10 novels by the end of 2021 would be good for me because I think I could probably make that number higher, but I love reading for pleasure. And Mm. I love, again, making it an average for a year. So this would be one that I would use the whole year for because in the summer, I tend to read a lot when I go to a cottage or something, you take time off. You read a lot, but I know that January is going to be really busy for me. So maybe I'll read one book, maybe half a book in January. So I think 10 novels by the end of 2021 would be good. And I want to spend more time in nature. So I would say, again, I would do this one per week. So let's say 150 minutes in nature per week would be a goal for me. I definitely think, especially with like weather changes, because that's like 30
1: minutes three times a week. And, like, sometimes we have some, like, pretty terrible There's weather for the week. It's definitely been
0: days so I haven't gone outside.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, you know what? We got, like, 10 centimeters of snow last night. I'm probably not going to go outside until the roads are cleared. But, yeah, I, I think that's, that's, a, that's a great goal, especially because, like, you love being in nature, too. Yeah. So. It feels so good. Yeah.
0: OK, I think that it'd be really great to hear any listeners goals and may help me with my document and spark some ideas. So if you have any goals, share them with us on Instagram. Maybe you can message us on our website. You can message us. You can email us or reach out on Instagram. We'd love to hear your goals.
1: Yeah, or you can drop some comments below the podcast and we'll always take a look at them. We love hearing from. Tell you if they're smart or not. Yeah, <laughs> you'll get Maylee's order on that. <laughs> Um, But yeah, please feel free to reach out. We'd love to hear your goals. We're also going to have some resources that you can access. So habit trackers, anything that you could use to plan your goals. Maybe Maylee will be kind enough to share her intensive document on tracking your goals for 20 years ahead. (laughs)
0: A gratitude worksheet. We also have a gratitude worksheet. Yeah,
1: we can definitely share with you tons of resources for gratitude, meditation. You can find them all on our website. We're also going to try and post some things about five exercises that you can do to fill those five minutes. So keep tabs on us on social media and on our website. And we'll try and give you guys as many resources as we can. So, so share with us your goals for 2021 on Instagram. You can find us at thewellcompany.ca. Or in the comments below or you can check out our website which is also the wellcompany.ca and we'll also have a lot of resources posted there we'll have gratitude resources meditation resources that you can access and all of these will be free um, we can also have some planning tools for your goals to make some smart goals and also track your
0: smart goals so all of these you can find them available in the resources tab on our website and if you ever have any topics you want us to discuss Again, just reach out on Instagram or email or anything like that. Thanks so much for joining us for episode two of the Well Conversation. Until next time, feel well, learn well.